It is the Anim 365 All Hits, No Misses. We just give you gems. Oh my gosh, we've been giving you gems on every single episode. I feel like reminding. No? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. As I say on every single episode, I mean, you guys could literally be doing anything with your time. You could be streaming on netflix you could be on youtube but you've taken the time to listen to this podcast and i appreciate that very very much um what the hell is going on with miss sa what the hell okay but no i'll deal with that later uh today i have got a very very dope guest i believe it is her second or third time on the podcast it should be second and second yeah how are you doing my nigga I'm good, my man. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Can't complain. Um, uh, as you know, today's a special day for you, though. I think more than me. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yes, it 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 was my baby girl's birthday. Uh, Crazy that I've kept a human being alive for for twelve months. Oh my gosh! You know, when you said it was her birthday, I was like, he kept her alive. For this wait, long, that's a wait. big deal. Did you also did you also doubt that I was going to keep her alive for that long? It wasn't a doubt thing. I just know that it's like one of those things we take for granted. True. Like true. it takes a lot of work to keep a baby going. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, do do you remember those like um, tamagotchis? I don't know if you remember them. They're like these little yeah. like um, electronic electronic things where you could like have a pet and you'd have to feed it, clean its poo, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And and if you didn't do those well enough, it would die digitally, right? Um, mine always died due to neglect. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't too sure. But then um, you were a single parent, right? <laughs> right, right. So maybe that may, may, maybe that so maybe maybe it's all Nina at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, you have to give credit where it's due. <laughs> um, yeah, so dude, thank you very much for, for joining me on this podcast. I really do appreciate that. I did um, hijack you at the last minute. Um, but what I, we've got a couple of things that I'd like us to, to discuss and talk about. Um, but firstly, I'd just like to speak about you, right? Entle, uh, who are you? I mean, like, where do you come from? I, um, so we met in grade 11 on the JJC, that was the Johannesburg Junior Council. You were a rep from your school, I was a rep from my school, and we from there. Sweetie, I wasn't a rep, I was a deputy junior mayor. <laughs> There's levels to this thing. I, I, I apologize, leadership. I apologize, leadership. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you killed it, right? Um, yeah, dude, so who is Entle? Where do you come from? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself. It's so interesting because we did meet when we were 16 or so um, with the Johannesburg Junior Council. And it's been like 10 years of knowing each other. And we've sort of been watching each other from afar. I mean, you're a father now. You're in law. I'm doing my thing. And it just feels like a full circle moment a lot of the times. (laughs) And it kind of feels like I'm telling this to the wrong person just because (laughs) we've been in each other's lives for so long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, what's interesting? I'm 26. I'm Joburg. I mean, so you... Oh, born and bred. So that that Kumalo surname, no no KZN links because I do see you um, sometimes going to the rurals. 
do you? <laughs> I feel like I do, or maybe that's so weird too. I don't know. Maybe I'm so. It's, it's I'm deep cliff. So... Oh, it's deep cliff. <laughs> it's deep cliff in Joburg. <laughs> that's my oh. grandparents' house. Oh, okay. So then, like, I mean, yeah. how, how how often do you go there? What are your experiences? How, like, growing up, did you go there pretty often, or was it like a? I mean, that's, oh. a, that's home. I think, like, it's just a Black cultural thing. You have that home base that you can always go back to where your parents are, where you go back to when it's rough, you go back to when it's good, you go back when you get your first car. You know what I mean? It's just that yeah. foundation place. Um, so for me, that would be where my grandparents, uh, while my late great-parents great stayed. Yeah. Um, that's Deep Cliff. And then my father's side is from Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And then like, um, then Vits, what did you study? So I did politics at Vits and international relations, but mainly politics. That's where I ended up. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was one of the best decisions made. One, not just the university, but the degree itself. Um, I actually originally wanted to study overseas. And mm. then I only got a 50% scholarship and so I couldn't go overseas because I like who's going to pay the other 50% in dollars for you to go live overseas. I think I remember was that, um, wasn't yeah. Harvard and there was like a million rand per year or something like that. <laughs> Harvard in Guli. <laughs> I can't remember what was it I can't remember I, I do no, remember. it was not Harvard. Oh okay what was it? It was a university in Washington DC. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> yeah so then you know, I just went to VITS and I was like, uh, okay, whatever. I'll just stay here. I'll just make it work. And it was one of the best things to happen to me. And, you know, it's yeah. really one of those places where politically, if you're studying politics, that's where you should be. Definitely. So it worked out. Yeah. I mean, I really, really was pushing to go to uh, UCT because, I mean, I'm also, I'm, I'm born and bred in Joburg. And then, like, family roots are in the Northwest. Um, so, like, Easter, um, Christmas, New Year's, we'd always be going off to the village just to check in with the grandparents, see what's up. So, um, yeah, why? Like, I, the reason I ended up not going to UCT is because my parents basically forced me not to, right? But... <laughs> After that, I really appreciated it, especially like, like coming from the school I came from in the sense that I, like we were in the vast minority as black people. Um, so I was very happy to go to university where, I mean, we're in the vast majority. And I, I saw you particularly being very politically active when we were both at, at VITS. So like what informed your decision and your, your political parties? We, we may have actually covered this before on the podcast, but I wanted to just briefly touch yeah. on that. Yeah. I mean, I think we are similar in the sense that we went to, you know, schools and whatnot where we were somewhat the minority and then we step into this university and you're like, oh, hi, South Africa. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so in a sense, that was almost a culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the perfect environment to sort of get your juices flowing in terms of being politi politically and socially aware um, 
And I think also this is just this melting pot because you can either go this way or the other um, and you're going to find your calling within that space if you allow yourself to really explore it. With us, we ended up in sort of political circles. Um, My core interest was, you know, feminist and feminist politics. Um, Mm. Obviously, politics is so vast and you diversify as you go and you move around <laughs> and so forth and so on. Yeah, and I, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and you I move, think, and I think people should be allowed though. to do that. I think, I think it's, it's important because I mean, especially forget about your, 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 your high school and your upbringing. I think once you get to that age of like 18, 19, 20, I think you're also still trying to figure out where you align politically, you know? Um, so I think there's nothing wrong per se with moving around politically in my, in my opinion, at least, at least. Well, you know what? I, I have to agree with that. In fact, maybe I'm a little more radical with that saying that you need to move around as and when necessary. And I know that there's a culture of saying, you know, this is your political home. This is your church. You know, this is, you know, organizational discipline and all these terms (laughs) that really want to direct you into one way of thinking. But at the end of the day, you're an individual, think independently. And if something is not speaking to you and making sense to you, you can, you know, you should be allowed, you should be given that room to either express it. And if you're finding that you can't do that in that space, then you need to sort of question and dissect why that is. And if maybe that's a space you should really be fraternizing with. And of course, you're 19 at this point. Yeah. And so you should definitely be questioning, definitely be like figuring out who's who and what's what at all points and don't get married, (laughs) you know, so young and so soon Mm. to a political organization. So yeah, that was my approach on things with politics. So then- But at the end of it all, it was about black women. (laughs) So then then tell me, um, so you went to a pretty, um, affluent uh, all-girl private school. Uh, personally, like with my daughter, I mean that that is a a school I've been looking at for when she goes to to high school, purely because it's got a it's got a high um, university intake in terms of the the, the top universities, right? Um, but there's always those underlying things of like a historically white institution how did your high school influence your your political leanings did it influence your political leanings because obviously the mere fact that you were on the 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 Johannesburg council and then you made it to deputy mayor shows that you already had some sort of um leadership inkling or whatever so 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 how did your your high schooling influence that I mean, I think firstly, there was always just a balance for me in the sense that I didn't start off in a private school. So initially, you know, I was in a public school. It was an Afrikaans school, but <laughs> it was a public yeah, school. Exactly. It was both, you know, girls and boys and so forth. Um, also, my human experience isn't limited to the high school I went to. Like I stepped outside of those gates and when I was outside of those gates, there was no like, sort of privilege to speak of Um, I was just into it you know what I mean Um, and so I think if maybe I was to completely isolate myself from the rest of the world then I wouldn't have grown 
a political consciousness. But I don't know if that's entirely possible <laughs> to do. Um, and also, I think the school I went to, the critical thinking was such a core tenant of how we were taught. And so for us, it was never one plus one equals two. It was one plus one equals two, but why? Interrogate mm. that, find evidence as to why that is. And I actually yeah. saw today that the school got awarded some, some award for being a thinking school. <laughs> okay. And so that just speaks to how important that, you know, that, that, that ethos is for the school. And that's just something I carried with me. So even when I stepped outside of those gates, I was a thinking girl. <laughs> so then, I mean, did you not feel, particularly in terms of the, the racial dynamics, that it was a bubble in, in any sort? Because it sounds like, um, from what you're saying now, like on a very surface level, it sounds like you're, you're, you're attributing a lot of your political consciousness and your questioning behavior to that particular environment? So yes, that particular environment, but also I think it wasn't, although it was majority white, it was somewhat mixed. And also the, 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 the people that made up the students, a lot of their parents are in the political scene, for instance. And so yeah. when I'm sitting in the library with these people, what we're talking about, and when we're reading the newspaper, it's about their parents or, you know, it's about South Africa, it's about what happened in Parliament and so forth. And so it was always just kind of something that I interacted with, whether I was incredibly aware of it or not at the time. It was just around me. And the school was also aware that it was around the students. And yeah. so they tried to sensitize us to certain things. Um, you know, there was always like those additional add-ons in our classes. Um, that wasn't just like LO. It was, for instance, critical thinking. It was, for instance, sensitization, things like that. So we never ignored that race is a thing. We never ignored that, you know, this is feminism. We mm. named things, we called them what they were as they presented themselves. Um, obviously, privilege is a thing. Um, you know, the girls are going to be socialized in that way. Um, and quite frankly, when it came down to it, and we mentioned this race thing, sometimes the school would be like, listen, it's a matter of interest. You know, the white, the white girls just like each other and want to stick to each other. And the black mm. girls just like each other and want to stick with each other. It's a matter of interest. That's just what it is. But really, yeah. it's also just socialization and how you make the ground fertile for these two communities to come together. Ah, it's so interesting. Like, oh, because I mean, that, that also leads me into the the topic i really just started off this top this this podcast with right can i just um, say one thing i just remembered yeah, go a good it. example yeah go for it because <laughs> this girl mm -hmm. and this is just to amplify what i'm saying about how race was not ignored um there was this girl her name was secreta she called herself secreta okay <laughs> and she came to school one day and she had completely shaven all her hair off and you know, they tried to make it an issue and they were saying no sophisticated hairstyles allowed. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what, does that, what does that even mean? Obviously yeah. there are racial undertones over there, you know, black girl, now she's looking, you know, most sophisticated, I don't know, who knows. 
people came out of the woodworks to protect her parents, mm. teachers alike, to make sure that the board doesn't get to dictate that this black girl can and cannot cut her hair. Um, so yeah, yeah. those little I mean, you know, microaggressions that were dealt with. Oh, I hated my school because of its um, protection of those microaggressions. So, I mean, my school, like I said, um, private school, predominantly white, predominantly Jewish. Um, so one thing, I mean, the first time I even heard the word kefir was at my school because there were a bunch of um, white kids at one table and they were busy saying blah, 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 blah. And then some, one of them said the word kefir. And I'm like, and then they all looked around and they're like, did they all hear us say that? I'm like, what's going on with this word? And I, I did feel uncomfortable. And I think I might have heard it before because it made me uncomfortable, right? And then fast forward, I mean, oh, there were so many things wrong with my particular high school. And even when my sister, who was four years younger than me, was supposed to go to high school, I said, that time I was in matric, I'm like, whatever you do, do not send her to my high school because I understood that um, black people were really marginalized at my high school. Uh, you, if you're a black person, the, the, the best is not expected of you. So um, I remember the first time, because I mean, uh, no, no, no flexing, but I've always been a clever kid, right? Throughout like primary school, high school, right? I remember the first time I got a C because I, I was always get a, A's and B's. And then I remember the first time I got a C because we were clowning. The black kids were having the most fun. We were rap, <laughs> we were rapping in like literally every math class. We we're at the back having ciphers. The teacher couldn't control us. We were having the most fun, right? And then yeah, I came home with a C or a D. Even. And then my teachers. They, they, they spoke to my mom and they were like, look, dude, it's not that bad. A 50% of 60% is not that bad. And then my mom turned around to me when we got home and she's like, the only reason they say it's not so bad is that they're saying it's not so bad for a black for kid. a black kid. Right. So I, I kind of learned, um, luckily from my parents, I kind of learned that my blackness was always going to be a thing, you know, and yeah, I've got I've got so many stories, but I don't want to go into them now because I also want to hear you talk. <laughs> but like, yeah, got... but it's like it's interesting that you mentioned that because, in as much as you know, you want to send your kid to a private school, and it's one of those things that you want to do because, unfortunately, just the way society is set up, it's the better education um, at the moment. Uh, there yeah. you go. Your, your child um, won't drown in a pit toilet at a private school. It's, it's you know what I mean. Happen. Yeah, and it's yeah. just one of those unfortunate things that are happen. That's just what we have to deal with. So you want to send your kids to a private school, but as a parent, you also play a crucial and critical role in how your child's experience is in that school. Definitely. You know what I mean? And so, even don't even keep the conversations at home. These conversations need to filter back into the school, so that the school is also progressing and learning. And at some point, when your daughter's daughter attends these school perhaps it'll be a little more gentle on her. Hey Amen. My school was not willing to learn and unlearn. I remember we, we staged a walkout um, of, of our math class the one day because... Um, <laughs> walkout? One, hey, we're radical, chief. We moved. Like, this is literally grade 11. This is when we're on, 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 on council together. Like, I remember um, 
there was a time, there was this other kid who was a very proud racist, right? And he would always tell the teachers, no, I'm a racist. He would always tell us, even though I'm friends with you, I'm a racist. Um, and we would laugh because we, it was awkward. It's like, stop laughing. I'm not joking. I'm, like, I'm a racist. I don't like black people, even though I've known you since primary school, blah, 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 right? So then whatever we, us as the black kids, we, we had a plan. We were going to jump him and beat him up one of the days, but we never did because we were, we were weak in that sense. But anyway, so then the one day, um, we're in the maths class, and then that particular kid is near the front. He's making a noise. And then the teacher says, yo, go to, you're making a noise. Shut up. Go to that side of the class, right? And then all the black kids had congregated because there were like six, seven of us, right? So we sat together. And then he's like, no, I'm not going there. There's too many black kids. And then we're like, and then we all like, fuck you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then the teacher just laughed. And he's like, oh, dog, so you're not going to reprimand him. He literally just told you he's not going there because there's too many black kids. And then, yeah, we staged a walkout. And then the principal spoke to us. He didn't say anything new. It was basically bullshit. And... I mean, that's just one of the many reasons I hate that school, and I will never send my kid there. And why I'm I'm being I'm I'm doing my due due diligence when it comes to like primary schools and mm. all of them because I don't want because I feel like we should progress, you know. I don't want her to be dealing with the same issues I was dealing with, right? Um, we got to move. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So the question that I really wanted to speak to you about and is like, and it kind of links to all of this, right? Because I feel like race relations in South Africa are so intertwined with everything, whether it's corporate, whether it's a schooling system, um, we've seen it with lockdown. Is that like, what the hell is going on with, Miss um, Essay, did you, did you see what was going on? Mm, yeah. And it's so funny that you were saying that you find it everywhere because everybody was obviously saying, oh no, she was like 15. Like, you know, we all went mm. woke when we were 15. Da, da, da. It's like, yeah, she was 15 then. Great. But she's 20 something now and she's going to be in corporate essay and she's going to be pushing the same agenda. Doesn't, right? it doesn't have a start and end date. Definitely. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so um, let's just give a little bit of context for the conversation and the, the podcast listeners. Right. So, um, Bianca, beautiful white woman. Um, I saw her trending on Twitter like a day ago, a day and a half ago. I was like, I am falling behind her. This is one of the most beautiful white women I've ever seen. Um, so she, 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 she was running. So Mr. Say, um, because of COVID is, is doing like, uh, an online, um, entry process right so if you want to enter into miss essay you post a video picture da, 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 da. so she was trending black twitter was kind of behind her because i would like to say she's a beautiful white woman right and then at like 2 a.m this morning all hell broke loose people found old tweets from her from 2014 <laughs> where in 2020 they found old tweets um i on my first take will say they were mild because it was stuff like bitches be asking me about this and then she'll post whatever, whatever. And she'll say, 
or she'd post a picture with one of her friends and she'd be like, with my Nick Nick, which is obviously my nigga, right? And there was another one, which was the really worst one of it in my, in my perspective, where she posted a picture of a um, black kid at a school day and he's, he's got a white background behind, behind him. And she's like, he was so dark, they had to change the background because all the other people had black backgrounds. But obviously this kid was dark, so <laughs> they had to use a white background, which on the face of it is actually kind of funny. <laughs> but but the messenger is always important. <laughs> so, it's so, funny, but she can't laugh. We can, she can't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, can I tell you my, 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 my knee-jerk reaction to that, right? And because I think a lot of the time, our, our first feeling is probably our most honest feeling, right? I'm like, the other tweets are mild. I don't actually find them offensive. It was a 14-year-old. That's it's not that deep. And then the one with the kid, with the black, with the white background, black kid, and she said that. I'm like, that's offensive. But she's kind of beautiful, so I'll let it slide, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that was my first reaction. And that's going to bring us to another conversation, another topic. But I just want to know, what was your first reaction? Um, my initial response was, <laughs> uh, you need to withdraw <laughs> your, you, you can't be Miss Essay. I'm sorry. And I get that you were young. We were all young once, but I think even when I was 15, I knew what racism was and I knew it wasn't great. Maybe I could knew, I couldn't nuance racism. I couldn't dissect it for you. I couldn't write literature for you, but I could definitely tell you that it was wrong. And yeah. if I were white, I'd probably be able to tell you, I probably shouldn't be saying the N-word, even at 14, 15. And so my initial response was, listen, there are different ways we can justify this. We can say she was young. We could say she, you know, she wasn't woke. It wasn't the woke era or whatever it might have been. But at its core, you can't represent our country with those kind of sentiments at any point. I mean, a part of me, the reason why I felt most of them were mild, because she used the, the word nigger in different contexts and bitches. And, and you, you know, if someone, particularly in, in like a hip hop context, is talking about bitches, be like niggers, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's colloquial, right? In, Can you see? And that's another justification, especially in a hip hop context. That's just one of the many that we can find. And as soon as then we normalize <laughs> these kind of utter, like these kind of, these kind of conversations that they're able to have, then it becomes common language. And then we have a bigger problem. Mm. But do you not think that like, I mean, nigger is not really a South African um, term, you know? Do you not think that purely as a 14 year old, let's assume she's grown up in a sheltered background because from her tweets, she never, I don't, she didn't really, um, from what I saw, she didn't really exhibit any um, sentiments of white supremacy, right? Because I think white supremacy is very different, you know, to like, as opposed to like, just like offensive stuff so i didn't really i don't i don't get that you know like nigger is not a south african term if you said the k-word kaffa maybe i would be like no that's definitely racist but i think nigger is not really you know in our context yeah. particularly 
But all these things lend themselves to white supremacy. White supremacy happens every day, keeps on happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even through language. And sure, nigger might not be necessarily a South African term, um, but the black experience is the black experience. And as soon as you allow someone to say that, then you're negating the experience of people who were called niggers and were lynched whilst being called niggers. Mm. And that needs to be problematized. And I think that's, that's the other thing, right? Because people see their pain as central and well, niggers not South African, so what's the issue? But you have to be able to remove yourself from things at some point and look at them from an objective lens and say, this is right, this is wrong. Be it American, be it South African, be it from Timbuktu. There needs to be a, there has to be a very, very, very clear and definitive line between what's acceptable and what's not. Because if that line isn't definitive and clear, then that's when the justifications can happen. Mm. Then you can say it's age. Then you can say it's hip hop. Then you can say it's, you know, um, she shouted. And that just leaves room and makes the ground fertile for a lot of explaining, especially from black people. Because she's going to turn around and say, but they say it in hip hop. And then we have to explain. She's going to turn around and say, but I'm young. Then we have to explain. And we're constantly going to have to be explaining if we allow even just that little bit of space um, for, for them to say that kind of thing. Hectic. Okay. Um, that literally throws throws the water and a lot of things I was going to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you and I, and, and I agree with that. Um, okay, okay, okay. Interesting. All right. So then, you know, where, where <laughs> I was a bit disappointed, right? Because look, I'm a man, right? And unfortunately... Is it? Hey, <laughs> uh, last time I checked, last time I checked... Sometimes, I'm sometimes. Sometimes... <laughs> I'm a man and that's what I identify as, right? <laughs> so then mm-hmm. my, 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 my first reaction was, she's beautiful, right? Um, so I'm gonna let her get away with it, right? And a part of me was like, I could probably slide in the DMs. I'd just be like, <laughs> and mind you, mind you, disclaimer, disclaimer, I'm in a happy relationship. <laughs> Mind you, mind you. I was wondering where this is going. I was like, okay. No, no. So I, I was just thinking, like, I could probably like slide in the DMs and be like, um, "Hey, I see what you're going through. It's really tough. If you if you need a shoulder to cry on, I'm here, right?" And that 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 was my knee jerk reaction, right? And it kind of made me think of a a tweet that I saw from from a woman one. One of the women that's very vocal on political issues, and she was, and she said, "Black men are the weakest link in the revolution." And I don't know, because and then I saw a lot of black women like following that, and it was this was a while ago, and I got upset about it because I'm like, "Stop calling me a weak link." <laughs> I don't know. Do you? you yeah. Yeah. yeah what's, I mean, what's, I think I think at different points we all become the weakest link, and it's about identifying and knowing when you are the weakest link. Um, you know, for instance, as a heterosexual woman, if we're going to be talking about gay lesbian rights, it's possible that I'm going to be the weakest link and that my voice doesn't need to be the loudest and that I, <laughs> I need to allow myself to be led. Yeah. Um, 
And a lot of the times, instead of doing that, you would find that black men fight back. And as you know, there's this term that patriarchy fights back. Um, and in the instance with Bianca, you know, she is a white, beautiful girl. And I mean, when we talk about privilege, <laughs> <laughs> she's got, I mean, she's listen, got, she she's takes got, a she's few boxes. Yeah, she's got a lot of it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it comes down to how just some women are worth protecting and some aren't. And Bianca presents the quintessential girl worth protecting. And men, black or white alike, are going to come out and do just that. And because mm. they've been socialized to do so. Whereas, for instance, me as a black woman, I'll call a spade a spade. Mm. Like, you're pretty, sure. And believe me, even that prettiness does affect me in one way or another. Mm. Um, but I'm able to look at the situation more objectively. Whereas, you know, black men, not so much. And in, in, in this instance, they do present themselves as the weakest link when she's literally, she's targeted an entire race and you're willing, instead of to maybe take an approach where you're, a, an approach where you're protecting us, instead you are defending her. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a tough one. Okay, so, I think for me, I was, because there was only one tweet, because I, I, I do give her the benefit, firstly of age, right? Because um, I try to remove myself as much as I can from certain situations. And maybe that's a privilege I have, right? That I, I remove myself from the situation, I'm emotional about it. I say, look, um, she was young. Also, I feel like the tweets are not the worst things I've seen and could be kind of like interpreted as just a kid trying to be funny, you know, like maybe her environment allows it. But the thing that really put me off, right, was the response, like when she when she first got onto Twitter. Because mind you, yeah. she was being dragged at like 2 a.m. So she was definitely asleep, right? I was definitely yeah. asleep. So she was being dragged <laughs> while she was asleep. Like, yeah, yeah. Literally, the conversation went from this is problematic, and then you had the black men and other people saying, but maybe she's changed, maybe she was young, do we not allow people to unlearn? Da 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 da. da. And then her first response, I think, was a nail in the coffin, and then the second response finished it off because the first response she put was, um, Yo, I just woke up, my mom is quite a bit concerned because. You guys have dragged up my old, or dragged up, dragged up my old tweets. And dug up. <laughs> dug up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please don't judge me. <laughs> no, no. Safe space. Safe space, right? So then she's like, yeah, yeah, you guys have dragged up my old tweets. Um, dug up my old tweets, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm definitely editing that out. Don't worry. <laughs> so she's like, you have dug up. Not. <laughs> She's like, you've dug up my old tweets um, and you guys are putting a negative spin on my childhood, right? I'm like, oh, that is a bad response, right? And then she deleted that tweet, which is a problem. Your first response in a crisis has to be well thought out, right? And then she deleted that tweet and then she put out that um, notes app sort of like apology 
and even that was bad. And that's why I'm like, look, dude, I could have tried to defend you, but wow. Because even that notes up apology, basically she said, um, I'm very sorry for what I've done. I have forgiven myself. Um, yeah. and, it's impos- and it's important that we all move She essentially on. said, get over it. Like, basically, I'm over it, so get over it. Oh my <laughs> gosh. What kind that's, of- That's what she said. What kind of stupid ass <laughs> response is that? I was like, okay, okay. So let me ask you this, right? As someone that is um, well-versed in social media, politics, all of these sorts of things, what do you think her first response should have been? <laughs> it's always tricky, you know, with social media because people come at you all at once and it's very much mob. So you have to really think about all the possible responses because they're going to problematize whatever you say, be it good or bad. Her response was obviously just possibly the worst <laughs> the worst possible thing she could have said, she said. Um, I think, you know, she. there's a few things she could have used to her advantage. Look, she could have let, been like, let, let's say this was your friend. Let's say this was your friend, right? And then yeah. she's getting dragged. And then you have to tell her what to do, right? She, 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 so she's been getting dragged the entire evening. Um, and what's interesting about this dragging is that it's created two, um, two opposites, right? Some that were defending her and some that were, were, were crucifying her. And you wake up in this situation. Do you send out a response first thing in the morning? Absolutely not. You first <laughs> okay. wait to see, is this going to die down? Okay. Because if you say something first thing in the morning, you could, have just, you just, could be, just be adding fuel to the fire, which is exactly yeah. what she did. Yeah. And so you see, if it dies down, if it doesn't, then you say something. By then, you would have collected your thoughts. Anyway, you would have listened to different perspectives, seen what people are saying, and then addressed those things in a very mm. subtle way. Mm. Instead, now she's now taking the, she's taking the narrative, right? And she's leading it a different path, which did not serve her at the end of the day. Um, I would have said to her, listen, use what you have. You are young, say that. But don't distance yourself from taking responsibility because I think at the end of the day, people are aware that you are young. But if you take responsibility, there's a little, there's a little more room for forgiveness. You can't forgive someone who's not willing to repent. Yeah. But I think a lot of the times in these instances, especially on social media, when people release these notes, you only get to see them repenting once the damage is done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Once the dragging has gone on and on and on and they've said something and then they withdrew and then repent the first time and repent properly so that the conversation can be about that. Mm. And not, no, but, 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 but this, this, and that, that, that. I mean, the thing that annoyed me is that I'm like, this is a typical white response, especially a typical white woman response, because I'm like, white women do this thing of feigning being fragile. Oh, my sister just jumped in. Are you good? <laughs> Are you good? Hey. I'm good. I just you have something on your head. 
<laughs> yeah, no, okay, no, cool. So, I mean, I was just like, oh, dude, um, I was disappointed because the thing is, when I woke up, there, there were two polar opposites. Some that were like, understand, some that were like, fuck that, we don't understand. We're angry mm -hmm. and we're going to move with that anger. And I'm like, like she could use that to her advantage. I think, first of all, before she entered Miss SA, her modeling agency has to look at her old tweets. That they have to search, they have to search um, um, your handle plus uh, black people, uh, kaffir, uh, nigger. <laughs> uh, you need to search gay. You need to search all of those problematic. Yeah. things right and you have to be like yeah. yo dude go delete this because a part of me actually thinks that yes it was problematic it was wrong everything she did was wrong but i think a part a part of me feels as though one of her competitors are the ones that actually looked it up they were like ah this one is gaining traction um mm. how best how do we because everything's political and this is a political it's a hit, basically. I mean, it's a competition. Yeah, yeah. It's a competition. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Tuma. Tuma, she, she was in the last Miss SA. She mm. came, like, mm. in the top 10 or whatever. Before she was in Miss SA, she was trending as our Miss SA, right? And I feel like this Bianca girl had the same uh, momentum behind her. She was, I feel like she was a shoe-in. She was the girl, the, yeah. For the top 10, she was a shoe in, right? And then I just feel like, oh, dude, come on. I'm just, to be honest, the thing that makes me the most mad is the handling of the situation, right? Mm. I'm, mm. Like I said, I'm not even offended by what she tweeted, right? It was just typical, oh shit, sorry, my earphones came out. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even too offended about that. It's just like typical um stupid stuff that a kid can tweet and that any white person can easily tweet right but i'm mad at the response and the reaction yeah it was mismanaged that. it was yeah. completely mismanaged her her mom and i think it's just the thing of white south africans are, are not able to take that sort of objective look at things if, if, if you get what i'm yeah, saying yeah i mean they were saying the lockdown you know they free, their rights are taken away ah then when you got to level four oh my god freedom day and equating it to all these you know apartheid milestones and whatnot and it just yeah. goes to show the level of ignorance and the level of perhaps just how i don't know where they are of <laughs> the different lived experiences in south africa yeah um yeah, but I also think that like people have a serious case of Schrittenfreude and that is basically the pull him or her down syndrome. So if you know that you are hot and happening, especially on social media when the gaze is so big and so large, you should generally be aware that people are gonna start looking into you. Yeah. Even if it's not a direct competitor, yeah. It's going to be someone else who's like, oh, she's, you know, she's cute. Let's see. Just, just because, and then yeah. let's make a trend. And yeah. that's that. People do things for clout. There's yeah. so many different things that can influence someone into going to look into Nkuli's information. And that's just like, that's, that's also just the, that's also just the social media culture. 
at the moment. True. Everything and, has its and she's down. young. So I'd like I'd like to I'd like to think that growing up in the social media era, she kind of gets it because I feel like white people are not active on on these platforms that require opinions, particularly white South Africans, because they know the heat that'll follow them. So I was a bit like, dude, come on. I think I was just disappointed. Wait, I, I'm not sure if they're not there or if maybe they're just on a different one that we don't see. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're on Twitter. I don't think they're really on Facebook because of the ability of us to screenshot and share their oh, things on Facebook. Maybe there are News24 comments, but <laughs> I don't have any white friends or any white people that I've interacted with literally in my entire life. And I, and I say this coming from a predominantly white private school, predominantly white high school, um, going into corporate where I, was, I had white friends in that space. I don't see them expressing any opinions. They're on Instagram, 100%. They're on Facebook, 100%, but they don't express opinions, opinions. Mm-hmm. on those platforms because I think they know the heat is on them. And because they know that when they do express these opinions, usually these opinions are what they discuss in the privacy of their homes around the dinner table and in the boardrooms when you aren't there. And then the second they make it public, they get backlash. (laughs) But for them, it was just a dinner table conversation. And that's their norm. And that's where the problem comes in, Uh you know, because especially with Bianca, because like she was so young, da-da-da-da, like where were her parents and what were they saying at this time? You know what I mean? And so do we exonerate Bianca because this is just what she was surrounded by? For Mm. all we know, she also went to predominantly white school and these were the conversations. And so Bianca is just one of many. And in a lot of ways, she is just the sacrificial lamb. But I think the bigger responsibility is systemic. And if there's some systemic consequence for being racist then it's going to have a trickle down effect in terms of how how we deal with it on a social level people don't laugh at gas chambers yeah they don't yeah Yeah, it's a it's a it's a hard no a very hard and firm no you don't do it and that community we know shall if you try it you will be dealt with (laughs) you know what i mean yeah, the same yeah. doesn't go for with, with our community. There's always some kind of flexibility there, some kind of justification. Mm. And I think, so fine, even if her parents were talking about it, even if she went to those schools where it was the norm and this was her dinner table conversation, that in and of itself needs to be scrutinized. Sure. Why isn't there a consequence for your school, Nguli, for, the teacher, for that guy saying that in the classroom in front of everybody, in front of a teacher? Why is there no consequence for that? Mm. it's a systemic problem that trickles down it's it's a tough one man um it's funny i don't i don't see her being because i want to move away from her a little bit well completely actually but (laughs) um i don't see her being active on on the socials anymore moving forward because i mean the eff caters have a legion of trolls that will jump and attack any tweet she says if she says i love avocados she'll be like it's because your your your, your uncle is a farmer and you're a racist and <laughs> don't care. 
but like well they they're having to work overtime to compensate because they're doing nothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah true 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 but like okay cool let me ask you something right so i mean this may have impacts on uh or effects on, on on her mental health right but it's not really my concern right but particularly on social media on, on on a broader level because and i'm asking you this because i mean recently you've put your account on, on private and then mm. i tried mm-hmm. hey you're enjoying that thing of being on private right yeah. and then i tried <laughs> to to be away from it but like for me i kind of need to be active number one i need to promote this podcast number two i need to promote my business number three i'm trying to build my profile um so I, I can't really disconnect completely. So mm. how do you, like, are you, are you completely like comfortable with where you are in your young career? Cause we're both young. I think you just turned 26. I'm turning 26 soon. So how, like, what is, what, what is the yeah. rationale and, and how, yeah. do you, how do you, how do you manage that social media expectation? You know, obviously people use social media for different reasons. I am intentional with my social media in the sense that, fine, I'll tweet nonsense and whatever, but I'm never going to say anything that you can catch me out on in the future. One. (laughs) And two, when my account wasn't locked, I either felt like at some point I'll have something I need to promote or whatever, or I needed just people to back me in one way or another. It was serving me more than it was using me at that point. Um, And then recently I decided to lock my account. I have been gunning for an opportunity for two years. I finally got the opportunity. I locked my account. I know I don't need, I don't need, (laughs) you know, I don't need the Twitter followers to sort of propel me in any way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, I can block my, I can lock my account now. If anything, I don't want my employer to see my tweets, even if they're not anything radical or you know crazy or anything like that. It's just for me now, just I use it as a private space. That's all it is. And I think if people just sort of perceive social media as a tool um, for themselves, it might aid them one in their mental health, um, with how they interact on social media and they won't find themselves posting the N-word or the K-word um, <laughs> as frequently as and frequently. as carelessly <laughs> as they do. <laughs> yeah. And so forth. But I mean, we are just in the digital era. And so if at any point you're going to start um, looking into your habits, it's probably a good time to start looking into that. Um. So for lockdown, particularly um, you, right? You're not alone. I'm just no. sort of cool. So then do you think that for other people that are possibly alone, just chilling in their houses, don't have anything else to do, do you not think that that social media community could be like beneficial to their mental health? Oh, 100%. And especially if you're alone and you know that you're going to be using a social media, that's especially when you need to be intentional because you want to create a space where you're not constantly triggered, where you're not, you don't log on and you just become angry after two minutes, da, 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 da. 
because you know you're going to be getting a lot of screen time. So you need to curate the process for yourself. Whereas me, who has a lot of distra distractions throughout the day, I don't really mind as much because I come here, I log in, check it out a bit, and I log off and I get distracted and talk about washing dishes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I think this one, and that's why social media should have age restrictions, I think. I don't think it should be widely available just to every Tom, Dick, and Harry because it does become, it comes with some kind of responsibility and independent thought. <laughs> and mm. at 14, maybe you're just not there and you shouldn't be oh, on social media. It's so difficult because, I mean, I've got a little brother who is in grade two, um, 2010, nine years old. Born 2010, so he's nine years old. I've got another little brother who um, is like three years old, three, four years old. He's, they're always on YouTube. Um, they're on TikTok. So I think it's so difficult to say. It just needs to be managed but, properly. Ah, it's so difficult because how? Because parents, so, yeah. As a parent, you need to say you get two hours a day of this and then bye-bye. The same way we only had two hours of playing video games when we were younger and then we were expected to go and play outside or do our homework. Yeah. These boundaries need to be set and addressed because believe me, it's fine. They're nine years old and it seems like, oh, it's the digital era. This is the new normal and whatnot, but it's going to inform how they see themselves for many, many years to come and how they negotiate their worth for many, many ways to come, especially on your Instagrams and stuff, you know, and you don't yeah. want them to already be marked from the age of nine, that this is your worth. This is how you determine the kind of girls you're going to get. This is how you get this, that, you know what I mean? I you want you them to be able to navigate it and use it, but it just needs to be managed. Beautiful, um, beautiful point to end on. I have hijacked you for a, a long time and I really do appreciate this, especially on the short notice I gave you. Um, there's other things I wanted us to talk about, but I feel like we can talk about that on a later episode. Um, more notice, all of that. Yeah, and have me. I, I actually enjoy this. So you can invite me for the time. Um, hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about that. No, 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 dope, dope, dope. Uh, it's official. because if, if it's on the podcast, it's official. Um, yeah, I appreciate this. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, thank you for making the time. I hope uh, your business jobs all of that are going well you're, you're managing your mental health uh where can people find you those that are allowed to find you i don't know are, are there any platforms where people are allowed to find you yeah yeah like instagram twitter and everything um so nj1994 so, okay dope um your business is that still going on i'm very focused on my career okay cool <laughs> Very, very, very focused on my career. It's my number one priority. So, dope. Entley one nine nine four. Yeah. Dope. Thank you so much for being in the podcast. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. I I, I had some hot takes on on Bianca and Mrs. A, but Entley kind of threw a little bit of water on them with her very, <laughs> with her very rational 
<laughs> perspective on it, but it's okay. Uh, I really do appreciate the listens, guys. Uh, you guys have been very dope in terms of listening. I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. Uh, the, the intention behind the anim before was to record every single day for 365 days. Uh, that fell away. The intention now is to record every two days. So we're putting out this content. Um, I hope you guys appreciate it. If there's anything you want to see differently, please let me know. Nkulinho, you guys know. If you guys follow me. We'd love. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. We'd love to see maybe a debate. Maybe it can be just three people on the screen, including yourselves. Um, you know, something okay. like that. Okay, um, that's interesting. Okay, okay, I'll think about that. And I'm going to WhatsApp you about that just to, yeah. to understand that better. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, final thing is that as an entrepreneur, I know that the market is always right. So your listeners and whoever are always correct. That thing of the customer is always right. It's true because the customer knows what they want. Yep. So, yeah, I'm always listening to what you guys have to say. Very open to criticism. Had some very harsh criticism like two days ago, which pissed me off. Right? <laughs> Firstly, it pissed me off because it was Kuyasha media related. But second, <laughs> secondly, I knew that I had to listen, right? So, yeah, point is, I listen. Um, please don't drag me. You can DM me. My DMs are open. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's it for today. This podcast episode might be released a bit late. Um, this is just a, a thing because of COVID-19 that episode, like episodes, it takes time for my the host to get them onto all the platforms. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. It is the Anim 365. All hits, no misses. Man. No misses. Thank you, so <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Nkoli. <laughs> Some single chips. So um, at the at the time it was short because the intention was that I didn't want to take too much time out of people's day, right? So I wanted the five minutes, I wanted the two minutes, I wanted the ten minutes, right? But um, as I move on, I like long form podcasts because it allows you the opportunity to voice out everything that you're thinking it allows you to expand it allows you to dig deep and mm -hmm. make, your, make make your view known so yeah nowadays I'm, would you consider putting the podcast on youtube um i would but so what i'm gonna do now is i'm going to create a instagram and twitter page specifically for the podcast um because i've got a lot of videos that i don't post purely because i don't want to bombard my followers with that content right my my on, on my personal pages right personal yeah 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 so i'm going to create more pages that i'll bombard you with with the, with the dope content with the content i think is dope on those pages so the reason i'm not on youtube um youtube is difficult to hack and i've got my own insecurities about that in the sense that uh i have to always be like plugging my my channel I'll probably use the Guyasha Media channel, but it's just like it's difficult to pull off, I think. So I'm I'm, I'm very insecure about that. I'm gonna push on Instagram and Twitter because I understand those platforms. And 
YouTube, I don't really understand. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me know if you need to like create ads or whatever, especially for Instagram and stuff.